You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Hidden Yardage Podcast. I'm Mark Lane, joined as always by Sean Martin. Sean, it's here. We made it. Training camp starts this week. Yeah, man, it's hard to believe. You know, last week I came on here and got to talk about a trip to Montana and how great it was to see how excited, you know, another state other than Texas was for football. And yeah, it still felt in the distance when I got back from Montana. And then you turn around and one quick week later and we get to go into uh, talking about training camp. So, you know, I know way back we did a topic on how do you pass the time between the off season and getting to this training camp and then the season from there. And, you know, I think I said something along the lines of just trying to, of course, find football things to talk about, which we do every day at bloggingtheboys.com, but also taking the time for whatever other activities you may be into. And so I've certainly done that. But yeah, now we get to focus straight ahead on football and I couldn't be more excited. Yeah, and I know for the fans, football starts week one. Some don't even really watch the preseason day, which is fine. Um, but for me, for someone who covers it, uh, it starts this week, and there's an excitement that comes with it. It's kind of like if you got to open a Christmas present every in every day in December. That's kind of what this is like, and so I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I joined uh, my first Cowboys site in 2015, right before training camp. So I'll always have a, a soft spot, you could say, for getting to cover this time of the year because it's what I jumped into first when I really didn't even know what I was doing yet. I got to uh, you know, do a little bit of just off-season doldrum type of work and came up with some fun topics like uniform rankings and stuff like that just to get my feet wet. And before I knew it, I was trying to see what covering training camp was all about. So from there, I've always enjoyed developing it and understanding what training camp is for more so. And from there, you get to write about a lot of the roster battle type stuff and the X's and O's type of work that I've really gotten into. So, yeah, I've always enjoyed covering training camp. I never have made it out there to Oxnard yet. I guess I'll point on that at some point. This year won't be the year, but nonetheless, we'll have articles up for you. We'll have this pod to do, and it's going to be a good time to uh, finally see what some of these new starters that they're working in are all about. You know, we've been speculating like oh they can't possibly be as good they're replacing x y and z well now's the time to actually see if we were right or if they were right because in the offseason you really can't answer those questions but in training camp you sure can yes and on tuesday when jerry steven and mike mccarthy meet with the media that's when they'll try to get some of those answers early and it it leads me to ask you, you know, just what four topics do you think will be brought up at this opening presser extravaganza? What's the first topic you think they'll hit? So I think my first one I wrote down here, just as far as recency, it makes the most sense. And that would be 
a topic we covered with RJ Ochoa at bloggingtheboys.com, and that's Amari Cooper's comments about Kellen Moore and CDLM being ready to break out if and only if Kellen Moore decides to feature him. Now, my first reaction to that was, I think, in line with where a lot of other Cowboys fans were asking yourself and scratching your head a bit, do the Cowboys really have a choice but to feature CDLM, just looking at what they have at receiver right now? But, you know, throughout camp, somebody else is going to step up and take some pressure off of Lamb. And then the question will be, you know, is he going to really be that featured guy that you can force feed the ball to and take over games or not? So Amari Cooper's comments will be brought up, I think, you know, for a number of reasons, because the Cowboys are going to be asked if they regret even still trading Cooper to compensation is something they could still be asked about, because that kind of started the whole dominoes of this offseason. And then the relevance to, you know, whether or not they feel like Kellen Moore is going to be the guy to, uh, you know, really take them to where they want to go. And if not, what does that mean for his future here? What does that mean for McCarthy trying to help out Kellen Moore? There's a lot of ways you can go with uh, starting with Amari Cooper's comments there. Yeah, and you bring up McCarthy, and I think that's another topic that's going to be brought up during the presser is Mike McCarthy's job security. Uh, they may ask Jerry. They may ask McCarthy just himself, how do you feel about your job security? Is there more pressure to get it done this year? They may even allude to Sean Payton, which – Hey, why wouldn't you? Within the last 10 days, he did an interview with Jarrett Bell of USA Today and said he wouldn't rule out getting back into coaching. So definitely they're going to bring up, I, I think that Mike McCarthy's job security is going to be a topic of discussion at the presser. So our editor here at Blogging the Boys, Dave Halpin, sent me a message uh, earlier today, which I should note to our listeners is Sunday because uh, this comes out on Monday, of course. But he sent me a message on Sunday afternoon when I submitted an article that is now up on the site. The headline is, the Cowboys championship window could just be opening. It's not slammed shut. And he said, wow, you actually wrote a positive article? I didn't realize that I guess maybe for a week or so there, my articles uh, were maybe taking a bit of a negative tone. You know, we try to just go with what the team is doing, of course. So, But I guess maybe they have, because this was maybe my first true positive one in a while. And the main talking point throughout the article is that, you know, McCarthy is really just beginning the process that, you know, let's, let's take his predecessor, Jason Garrett, had a lot of time to work with. And, you know, Garrett didn't even get the results, but he still got that time. So McCarthy, in some ways, even could be considered ahead of schedule. You know, this offseason is his first time going through a full normal offseason. There's no COVID year. There's a lot of things that he's dealt with that are no longer a factor in the NFL landscape right now that he's going through the offseason he gets to go to training camp and figure this thing out and you know help out Kellen Moore and get this offense going the right way and oh by the way while he's doing all that you know in just his third year they went to the wild card playoffs they could have done a lot more of it and the front office could have helped him more and I brought both of those points up in the article but you know it took Garrett until his I think fourth full year or third or fourth full year to even make the playoffs at this team so this idea that McCarthy's future is in this great danger and he's got to circumnavigate all this Sean Payton talk and can Quinn replace him, can Moore replace him, all these things very well could happen if the season really does turn for the South. But I think for the most part, uh, you know, McCarthy is going to have to address those questions early on here in training camp. And I hope he does, he does it well. And I hope he has an answer that's along the lines of continuing to say what he usually says, which is that he feels very secure in his job and 
that he's going to have his time to actually see the building of this roster out because Garrett got to build this roster pretty much over and over again in the same image. We're going to be a hard-nosed, run-the-football type of team. He built it up. They made the playoffs. It didn't work. Built it up again. They had some other playoff teams. None of them worked. And McCarthy's only brought one team to the playoffs so far. And, yeah, they have awesome talent, but they feel like they've replaced it as well. So the questions are going to be there, but I think McCarthy has handled them well so far. And I would I would just hope for his sake and his team's sake to not be a distraction. He can continue to do that. One of the topics that was big going into the lone playoff game was kicker. And I think that's going to be brought up on Tuesday is kicker. And if Dallas feels confident at the position with the relatively inexperienced legs that they've got. I feel like the kicker, that's a, I didn't have that on my list, but it's kind of surprising to hear a little bit. It is a great question and they're going to be asked about, but I'm just picturing, you know, knowing some of these Cowboys supporters that are going to be there. And I feel like the kicker question is one that you throw in after like a tough off the field question maybe comes up. So like there's that tense moment in the room. And then everyone's thinking, can we get this back to football? And then, you know, I don't know which reporter would be most likely to, to ask that one. But, you know, you're just dying for someone to ask a football question. And McCarthy, like, gets to talk about the kicker. So that's that's what I pictured when, when that would come up, which it probably is going to. My third topic I had written down was uh, just the overall health of Dak Prescott. You know, we heard earlier in the offseason that he's fully healthy and the best shape of his life. And I've said this 100 times, and you've said it 100 more we, we really don't you know buy into those types of reports. They don't really mean anything. So what this one meant for Prescott, though, is that if you're admitting he's fully healthy right now, it means, and this, this wasn't a very well-kept secret anyway, but it means you're finally admitting that he wasn't fully healthy at times last year. And so if there's a further step that, you know, that's available in his game just because he has that mobility and that confidence in his ankle, the Cowboys could surely use it as they try to get that offense humming again. So... Yeah, the overall health of Prescott and how excited, you know, Jerry Steven and Coach McCarthy are to work with him at full strength uh, is something that I have coming up early on in the press conference. Yeah, and you want to know the telltale sign that Dak wasn't healthy last year? Let me, let me just give it to you. Number of red zone rushing touchdowns in 2021. One. One. Yeah. Uh, prior to that, he had three to four, like every season of his career. I mean, he managed to get in three rushing touchdowns alone in the abbreviated 2020 season of basically four and two quarters games, you know, four and a half games. So, uh, yeah, that was pretty telling, just one rushing touchdown. So a red zone rushing touchdown at that. So, yeah, I, it's nice to see them admit that. Hey, and I think Prescott is – people are going to talk about how lean he looks. Um, this isn't related to the press conference, but I predict – my bold prediction for the start of training camp, Sean, is that John Mashota, who took the picture of Fat Romo in oh, 2016, no. is going to take a picture that shows how cut and lean Dak Prescott is at the first training camp practice. Mark my words. Well, I hope you're right. Matilda's a great guy. So, you know, for his sake, that would certainly get, you know, probably even some national media attention. So we can hope for that for him. Uh, let me just give a quick shout out. You know, RJ Ochoa, one of our editors here at Blogging the Boys, when you hear this, uh, I hope you I hope you think of the time that we were both messing, messing 
messaging each other, excuse me, on the old Inside the Star uh, Discord on the day that that Romo picture came out. And, you know, me and him just had so much fun up there. And I remember that being a moment where he was scrambling, trying to get content up. And I don't think I was home at the moment. So I was answering from my phone, also trying to get stuff up. And we were just going through training camp, but it had just started. And then everybody was reacting to that. So I don't know if he remembers it the same way I do, but that's certainly an early memory I have of uh, doing Cowboys work with RJ. And now he's got us here doing this. And hopefully, like you said, the opposite thing happens as opposed to reacting to you know, an out of shape quarterback picture that didn't even prove to be what it was. Hopefully we do get, like you said, Matilda uh, showing us that Prescott is in full strength and looking lean and fit and ready to go, of course. Now, as the Cowboys head into training camp, you know, it's been a long eight months to get to this point. And let me ask you this. There are positions where you look at them and it's like, I don't know, man. And then you get into training camp and all, it's like, ah, I still don't know. Was there a position this offseason that you were dubious about, but you feel better about it heading into Oxnard? For me, it's the interior of this offensive line. We do, and I mention this every week, we do a spaces before this show, live on Twitter, before Sunday nights, going into the recording. You know, I talked about how on this week's spaces, you know, they felt confident enough to draft Tyler Smith knowing that it would make a big enough difference in the offense. There's no faster way to derail even the best offenses. I mean, look what happened to Pat Mahomes in that Super Bowl against Tampa Bay. We all just still have the image of, you know, the Bucks defense just tormenting him because the Chiefs are playing without either tackle. Well, there's an even faster way to derail any offense, and that's to give up pressure from the interior as well. I mean, if you're adding these defensive tackles, get into the backfield, whether you have Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard, or anybody else, you're not going to be able to run the ball effectively. Your quarterback's not going to be able to escape and do the things that even Dak Prescott, when he's mobile, can do. So last year, that was a bigger Achilles heel than I think we ever really talked about. You know, we kind of knew what you had in Connor Williams, and they made it obvious they were going to try to move on. But in season, they didn't make those adjustments to help Williams, you know, if they could as much as possible because – yeah, those interior pressures were just so detrimental to this team playing offense. And if you get that fixed, and I think we'll be talking in the first couple of weeks again, even though they face some tough competition, about Kellen Moore being, you know, the same type of coach who, you know, I remember last year we were saying a couple of games in, oh, Kellen Moore is going to be a head coach next year. He's already proving all of these things. You know, look, look how great the Cowboys offense is. We better enjoy it while we can because, man, it's a foregone conclusion that somebody is going to make him, you know, the next Sean McVay type of guy. And he's gone this offseason. And now the conversation has certainly changed on Kellen Moore. But if it does hold true that the interior of this offensive line is going to be fixed up and Beattis takes a step forward, Tyler Smith is who they think he is. Of course, Zach Martin is still a high-level player. And then there should be excitement as well about, about some of these backups like Matt Farniak, uh, who could step in as well. If all those things come together, yeah, I think you'll be talking about, you know, again, Kellen Moore getting back to that point where people are saying he's orchestrating one of the best offenses in the NFL. For me, the position is, believe it or not, safety because... You better hope not a single one of them get hurt because you have exactly three safeties that can take the field that you feel good about right now. Right. But part of it was J. Ron Curse. Is he going to come back? Is he not? And then he comes back. And then you see that J. Ron Curse excelled last year even though it was his first season as a bona fide starter because 
Mike McCarthy and Dan Quinn saw something on his Detroit tape when he was playing Big Nickel, and they said, we can have that here in Dallas. We've got a role for him. And so he took over that role. He excelled at that role. And so, yeah, that's a position where it's like, because safety's just been terrible for Dallas either since Darren Woodson retired or they outlawed the horse collar tackle. You take your pick. But that around that same time period is when it started being terrible for Dallas. So when J. Ron Curse got here, it's like, ah, uh, so what? You know, they're still horrible. They got Malik Hooker in the uh, training camp signings last year. So, you know, big deal. But I think Curse has really grown into that role of big nickel. And, yeah, you said that they don't have much depth. But, I mean, you look at the rest of their roster – I mean, the rest of their positions on the roster, they don't really have that, you know, depth at really any of the other positions. I mean, we talked about it on the spaces before recording the podcast. Football Outsiders put in on ESPN this week that the offensive line's their best unit. But that doesn't, you know, seem like they're as good as they were in the 2010s. So, I, you know, I, I think it's fair what you say about safety. But you could say that about a lot of positions on the Cowboys roster right now. Having said that, uh, safety's one that I was dubious about, but felt good about it now that we're here in late July. It'd be huge if they can keep a guy like Donovan Wilson healthy. You know, last year they tried the experiment of Keanu Neal, a converted safety, walking down to that linebacker spot. And though it didn't really work out, you know, apparently they still feel good enough about the linebacker position overall with Parsons leading the way to, uh, you know, not really make any big moves this offseason there in the draft or in free agency. So now you, you know, the Keanu Neal thing was what it was, but now you're asking yourself, you know, if Jabril Cox and Leighton Van Der Esse and these guys can get the job done. And I know you brought it up on Spaces too that there's some uncertainty with those guys. But Wilson, similar to Jalen Coase, who you talked about, can also kind of play that box role a little bit and go back and deep into coverage, but not afraid to come up against a run. So, you know, I don't want to call him a linebacker, of course, but there's some gray area when it comes to who actually is a linebacker in Dan Quinn's defense, it seems. And Donovan Wilson is right on that fringe of a guy who can do those types of things, and he does a lot of things that this defense is going to need if he can stay out there consistently. So would you consider Donovan Wilson one of your pet cats for training camp? Uh, well, he's not who I wrote down for, you know, I, I do have one candidate for each one. Um, you know, I think he's, like I said, the injuries also are an unfortunate part of what you know about his game. But, you know, when I pick out pet cats, I feel like, you know, you want someone that's not as established or that you think is going to hit a ceiling, but you don't know for sure. So you're banking on that development for him to be that type of cat. Whereas Wilson, you know, I think is kind of an established guy who you know what you're getting. It's just a matter of how often do you get it and, can you find those snaps for him and stuff like that? So who's your pet cat for defense then? So on defense, I went with – actually, so I had one defensive lineman, and I erased him and went with Oso Odigizua. So I was torn between Odigizua in there at defensive tackle and Chauncey Golston. You know, with Golston, I think his upside is to really, you know, earn a lot of snaps out there that could even cut into playing time for a guy like Adorance Armstrong, who, of course, they're high enough on to use him as – as the biggest replacement piece for 
Randy Gregory going to the Broncos. So Golston can also play inside a little bit. You could be talking about him starting the first year development for rookie Sam Williams, his second round pick. But that would be a good outcome as far as Golston being that guy because he did play a good amount of meaningful snaps last year. And yeah, you want to see what you have in Armstrong and Sam Williams. But if a guy like Golston's proving to have to be out there and play those snaps, I think he's a very plus run defender that they're going to need and offers you know a good bit and pass us. And I went to throw Diggy Zilla just because I feel like we've done this almost as an annual tradition for the Cowboys when it comes to these pass rushing type defensive tackles. We have a guy who has a lot of upside. We always say that this offseason is going to be the one where they realize the full upside of that position. It goes as far back as when you know, Rob Marinelli was a defensive coordinator. And we all said, oh, well, the most important position in Marinelli's scheme is that three-tech defensive tackle. And they can find a guy there, like this whole defense comes together. And now we have Quinn. I don't know if it's his number one most important position, but he's worked with some great defensive tackles before. And now his latest guy that he's going to try to squeeze every bit out of is Odigizua. And, of course, there's other options in there, other young players that came in around the same time, like a Golston or like a Quentin Bohanna and things like that. But Odigizua is just the latest Cowboys defensive tackle trying to reach that potential as a pass rusher. And they've had some guys stunted there. You know, Neville Gallimore also trying to take a step up this year. But I think the highest upside in making him a pet cat candidate goes to Odigizua. And I'm going to stick with the defensive tackle. My pet cat is none other than John Ridgway because of his attitude and go hugs. There you go. Woo pig suey. That's your guy. Um, is, is that what y'all say? Or what, what's like the, I know you know, hook them horns. Obviously is awesome. It's woo pig suey and they call the hogs and all that. Um, but yeah, it, mainly because here's who I think he's going against is he's making a case obviously against Marcavius Bryant and Josiah Bronson and, um, you know, but I think really the target is Tristan Hill. If Ridgeway can play well enough and Gallimore's went playing good and Odigizua was playing good and they're making the case that Tristan Hill, that they can let go of their second-round pick from 2019, their initial selection in that draft, they can let him go, it's okay, everything's in good hands. You know, then I think that they'll get younger and more talented at the position. But it's really incumbent upon Ridgeway to play at a high level. And he can't be getting into fights and things like that because, you know, Mike McCarthy doesn't like that because it messes with the timing and the scheduling and just the your ability to get work done in camp. He really doesn't like fights in camp, especially when it's um, joint practices like they'll have with the Broncos and the Chargers. But Ridgeway's my guy on defense. And if they both play at their best, it's easy to say that, you know, Tristan Hill and John Ridgeway effectively play different positions and it would be hard for them to push one another. But Hill has never really realized that pass rush potential. So, you know, if Ridgeway, he's not going to give you a ton of pass rush either, but I do like the way he flows down the line. He doesn't get stuck in one spot. He can kind of go with the blocks, go outside the tackles, and then disengage to make those stops. And Hill has been that kind of player as well, even though they saw more potential of him to actually get after the quarterback and be a pressure player. So if Hill does finally prove that, you know, then it would be hard for Ridgeway to 
be like that direct competition for him, but there is a path for Ridgeway with those other names you mentioned as well, you know, to get on the field and then they'd have to have that numbers crunch to tackle where he'll could be an odd man out since he's had so many opportunities here. So yeah, I def, you know, definitely like what they have in John Ridgeway. It's a position that they don't often invest too much into and Ridgeway's a late round pick, but the potential is certainly there. And at three hundred and twenty one pounds, he's the second heaviest defensive tackle, obviously. Quentin Bohanna at three sixty is the heaviest, but uh, yeah, he he maybe could become a one technique for you, not just be that magical three technique. So my offensive pet cat, and I don't I don't love this answer. Not that I don't love the player, but I just feel like this answer's kind of been given in multiple different ways, uh, you know, throughout uh, what we've done already. But my offensive pet cat is Jalen Tolbert. The opportunity is there for him, of course. As it is with any of these receivers, you can even look further down the Jeff chart at guys like Simi Fajoko or TJ Vassar. And those you know, would be true dark horse type pet cat candidates. But I really like what Tolbert brings to this offense. If we are going to see more of Mike McCarthy's influence on this offense and the West Coast style that he's been very successful with in the past, I think the Cowboys are set up pretty nicely to run that type of offense. You know, we've already talked about C.D. Lamb and what he does going over the middle, being his best trait, getting him against those linebackers, getting him yards after the catch opportunities. And Tolbert's kind of that same guy who can also take the top off a of defense. So those are traits they're going to need. And you know, I think we're going to see that Prescott to Tolbert connection really get going here. So again, it feels like a bit of a forced answer just because all eyes are already on the receiver position without Amari Cooper. But you know, I don't know how much of a household name outside of Cowboys media Jalen Tolbert is yet, but hopefully by the end of the preseason, he will be as a guy that makes those plays, like I said, that are out there to be made. And he's a guy that can go over the middle just like CDLM, can go deep down the field, stretch the field, and be a red zone threat, which they need. So Jalen Tolbert, a wide receiver, is my offensive pet cat for training camp. Yeah, I'm going to go with Alec Lindstrom at center because I, I think he's in a unique opportunity to, I mean, Tyler Biotic, he's obviously going to be the starting center. But who do you have behind him? Uh, can Matt Farniok beat out both Connor McGovern and Alec Lindstrom and Braylon Jones and James Empey for the backup center spot? Because Farniok's got to kind of prove that he's got a little bit of center to him so that, you know, he, he's an, an acceptable, adequate game day activation but Alec Lindstrom um I think that he's I think he he's an undrafted free agent he fell through the draft because centers sometimes are like specialists in terms of the way that personnel departments view them come draft time it's like well we need yeah an offensive lineman but we don't need someone that just plays exclusively center that was kind of the path that Jeff Saturday took in his career. Um, I think he was an undrafted free agent in 98 with the Baltimore Ravens. And, you know, then after that, then next season he caught on with the Colts. And I think Lindstrom, if he can prove his value as a center and just stick around with the organization, whether it's on the practice squad or not, I think – It'll it starts this training camp and just showing that he can be a reliable, competent center and to get hey, give him the Ben DiNucci amount of chances 
to show that he can develop into a starting center for the organization. Yeah, a lot to like with Winston's game. You know, really head smart player can make all the calls and checks from that center position and fits the Cowboys zone scheme up front very well. So those are all good reasons to bring him in, of course. But now the pads are going to come on, and that's when the playing field you know could slant away from him a little bit. With some of those other names, like you said, with a guy like Farniak who's already gotten some real-time game reps, and be honest, uh, you know, already being penciled in as a starter. So you do hope there's a path for Lindstrom to be the deaf option on this team. You know, some of the deaf options from last year are the guys who are now stepping into starting roles or confirmed backup roles. And now you do need that next wave of guys to keep this offense on at the you know at the level that used to be one of the best in the league, and they've they've fallen a long way from that. And they're trying to get back. And when you do get back to that point, it takes guys like an Alec Lingstrom hitting on that type of pick or hitting on an undrafted free agent signing uh, to get him on the roster. You know, you still have Isaac Alarcone as well. So, you know, Edstrom definitely is going to have his opportunities here through the preseason to play a lot of snaps and hopefully stick onto this roster. Yeah, those are my two pet cats that I've got. Uh, Alec Lindstrom, center Alec Lindstrom on offense and then defensive tackle. John Ridgway, so I went with the trenches. I didn't go with any perimeter players. Yeah, I was going to say, I like uh, going with the trenches there. And, you know, it sounds so cliched, but games are won and lost up front. So, you know, that's a, and they've tried to get better on both sides of the ball there this offseason. So they've had those questions to answer about the skill positions and defensive end, things like that. But right in the middle at defensive tackle and right in the center of the offensive line are two uh, priority spots for him where you, you do have to give him credit for trying to get better. So I have Odigizua on my list as well. So another defensive tackle that can make that impact. And then again, my pick on offense was uh, third round wide receiver, Jalen Tolbert. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And that's what we'll be watching in Oxnard, California, of course, the Dallas Cowboys 
they open up training camp there. And it's part of the tradition of the Dallas Cowboys going to training camp is that they go out to the L.A. area and do it. Because from 1963 to 1989, they held training camp at California Lutheran College in Thousand Oaks, California. That's what Cowboys fans of, of you know the past decades remember most is just Thousand Oaks and just the connotation of that Golden State City's you know name, what it means. It means training camp. And I think that Jerry having training camp out in the L.A. area, albeit in Oxnard, I think, which is a little bit northeast, I mean northwest of Thousand Oaks, but nevertheless just still in the same area. When you think of Cowboys training camp, you know, if you're a Cowboys fan, for many years you're thinking of, nor you know, Southern California. Yeah, it's become another destination. You know, I remember a Jerry quote from a while back, uh, kind of going the opposite direction here when he was asked why so many away fans find their way into these Cowboys games and can tilt the home field advantage that they've built at AT&T Stadium. And he said, well, Dallas is, you know, a destination. The stadium has become a destination. And it's also kind of a central location for just a lot of other fan bases to make sense to travel and cost that off your list as far as places you've seen. So not only has, of course, Cowboy Stadium itself been a destination, but now the fact that they go away for training camp, that has become a destination. But as opposed to road fans, you know, I've never been out to Oxnard to speak for it myself, but you, know, you see some of these awesome pictures and these videos and it's just a celebration of nothing but Cowboys fans, which is awesome. And some of them are in California for the first time. Some of them live in California and are excited to have the team right in their backyard again. And some came from, you know, all across the country. So whatever the case is, to give the destination of Oxnard as a place where you can be up, up close with the Cowboys training camp, you know, certainly worked out very well as far as the partnership that Dallas has. Yeah, and it was really Tech Shram taking the team out to the L.A. area like that that really built a strong Cowboys fan base in Southern California and just, frank, frankly, the region because I was out there last year uh, for just the f first two opening days. And I was talking with some of the fans, and there were fans that had come over from Phoenix uh, just to see the Cowboys at training camp. And, it, 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 like I said, that's just become part of it. And even though Dallas has had training camps in Austin and San Antonio, Wichita Falls, it just feels strange when they don't go out to Thousand Oaks or Oxnard for training camp. And some of the – I mean, the Jimmy Johnson era, believe it or not – was actually all Austin. Well, except for 89 when they were in Thousand Oaks. But nevertheless, the rest of it, the Super Bowls, that was thou that was in Austin at St. Edwards University. So, but nevertheless, when you think of Cowboys training camp, you always think of California. And they go from somewhere sunny to, you know, somewhere also sunny. A lot of Texans and, and all that are used to the heat this time of year. And then you go straight to... California, which is kind of a different kind of heat, I'm sure, but you know, nonetheless, it stays temperature-wise. It makes sense for just going from two great places to spend your summer. You know, summers here in Texas, they could be intense, but they're also a lot of fun. 
if you know the right things to uh, you know to enjoy for this time of year. And summer has always been my personal uh, favorite type of season. And then in California, I'm sure it's no different whether you're a Cowboys fan or not to have football season coming soon as a backdrop of California and the beach and Oxnard and everything. And the Cowboys coming to town, whether it was Thousand Oaks or Oxnard, uh, just makes for you know a great spectacle with, that the Cowboys are always looking for, that Jerry's always looking for, and a great showing for the team. Here are some weird sites where they held Cowboys training camp early before they went to California Lutheran College in 1963. In 1960, they held camp at two sites, Pacific University in Oregon, and then St. John's Military Academy in Wisconsin. And then in 1961, (laughs) they held camp at St. Olaf College in Minnesota. And then in 1962, Northern Michigan University. And then 19... What's with these cold places? Yeah, yeah, because they were trying to get out of what... From the heat, but I bet the mosquitoes bit everyone up in the those Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Michigan locations. And then '63, we go out to Thousand Oaks, and the rest is history. And we turn as we turn the page on Cowboys training camp, uh, we take a look at Michael Parsons. Now, EA Sports didn't think so that he was the best linebacker. I think he was tied for 10th in their ratings. But Pro Football Focus, when they released their top 50 players in the NFL today, Parsons was number 29. He was the only linebacker. I mean, he was the highest-ranked linebacker. Uh, Fred Warner from the 49ers, he came in at 30th. And then Darius Leonard from the Colts, was down there in the 40s somewhere. I think he was 41. But Michael Parsons, 29, boom, number one linebacker in their top 50 listings. What do you think? Is he the best linebacker in the game, or is EA Sports more accurate? I think he's certainly in the conversation to be one of the best. You know, of course, what helps him, but also in a weird way, you know, someone hurts him is he has a case to be also, I think, one of the best defensive ends if he just committed to that in the NFL as well. So that doesn't discredit what he does as a linebacker, but that just makes the casual fan think of him as more than a linebacker. And then it gets muddy as far as where do you, where do you really rank him? And, you know, you think of some other great defenders. They don't really have that issue. You know, Aaron Donald, you know where he's going to line up. Yeah, in a pinch, he can play some defensive end, but everyone knows he's an interior threat and a defensive tackle that, you know, can completely take over games and made the game-winning play in the last Super Bowl. So, you know, you know what some of these star players can do, but with Parsons, his best trait, so you don't know what he's going to do. And I think the best trait any linebacker can have, and when you really start getting getting to talking about the best linebackers in the NFL, my, my top criteria would be, does the opposing quarterback, does the other offense have to identify him before every snap? And with Parsons, even just one year in right now, that answer is a resounding yes. I mean, everybody playing the Cowboys is going to have to figure out where Parsons is, is he coming after the quarterback from a defensive end, rust position? Is he coming after the quarterback from a linebacker spot? Is he dropping into coverage on a linebacker? Is he going to you know, track down a running back from the opposite house? All of these things have to be accounted for when it comes to how the Cowboys can line up Parsons. And I know Quinn and McCarthy share the same vision for making sure he stays versatile and he stays as a chess piece type of player that, that other offenses can't easily identify. 
So as long as that's the case for Parsons, and he's the one that every quarterback, you know, Tom Brady coming in here week one, Joe Burrow week two, they're both going to be looking around trying to see where number 11 is. As long as that's the case throughout the season and throughout Parsons' career, I don't see any reason why he won't be considered probably the best, if not one of, of course, the best linebackers in the NFL for a long time to come. Yeah, I think it's just kind of two different ranking systems because with pro football focus, they, like take T.J. Watt, for example, even though he's really an outside linebacker, technically a linebacker, they take him and they move him and say that he's edge, meaning he's the same position as a Randy Gregory or a Demarcus Lawrence. Um, and the same thing with their defensive tackles. They call them, you know, DIs, defensive interior. Um, so with EA Sports, they're just taking linebackers in general, and I think a lot of that is name recognition, kind of like the Pro Bowl. And Parsons just showed up on the scene. As dynamic as he is, it's only been one season. He doesn't have this full body of work. Um, in college, even, he had 2020. He, the, you know, opted out in 2020. So there's that forgotten year. You kind of got to go back to 2019. No, Penn State didn't do anything. And I don't think he won any awards then. So he wasn't really on people's radar. And I think that plays a lot into it. If you look at the Madden ratings, more like the offseason, the July Pro Bowl voting, it's a lot more, it's a lot easier to digest. And whether or not your guy's 71 or 91, it's just, it's, again, it's like Pro Bowl voting. So just don't take it too seriously. If someone like Pro Football Focus is has them as the 10th best at their position, uh, yeah, that that's a little concerning. But I think it's somewhere in the middle. Um, I think if Parsons follows this season up where he's having more dynamic plays, and even if he doesn't, if the all the film gurus are watching it and they say, well, because of the attention Parsons got here, Dorrance Armstrong had a one-on-one and that's what led to the sack, I think that's going to prove out and then that will continue just the name recognition. And so then next year Parsons may get into the top three or five because of the Pro Bowl voting and he gets another All-Pro. Yeah, when it comes to anything Madden, really, I defer to, you know, those who have paid more attention to it. It's been years since I've really played it or paid attention to it. But when these ratings were coming out, they were certainly getting talked about on social media and Twitter. And I saw a lot of people pretty much saying that, you know, don't get too wired up about it because that's really just all they want from this. Um, They intentionally kind of mess up the rankings just enough to stir enough of a conversation that might sell them some extra copies of the game or anything like that. So when you see something like that, you know, that's not something I typically give a lot of thought to, but you know, these things do matter because there are still young fans learning the game through Madden and coming up through Madden. So you want as realistic of a game as possible. And like I said, it's been years since I've played it, but it sure seems like they've drifted pretty far away from, you know, delivering that true authentic product, especially if the ratings aren't reflective of what you could turn the TV on and see on Sunday. Although it's hard to, like you've said, you know, really reflect all the things the person does on the field when it comes to playing Madden. You're calling your own defensive plays, 
And so you're probably going to call your basic, you know, your cover twos and your your traditional linebacker things and what you want those linebackers doing. Parsons on game day is so good because he does defensive end things and linebacker things. And again, that's hard to account for in a video game, but great for the Cowboys to have in Oxnard this week in preseason, although who knows how much the Parsons will see in the preseason or that we need to. And then, of course, the regular season to come. All right, let's go ahead and get to Cowboys' birthdays. On Tuesday, Bob Lilly, Mr. Cowboy, turns 83 years old. Also on Tuesday, Lyle Collins, and this kind of lets you know a little bit why he got released, turns 29 years old. On Tuesday, Xavier Woods turns 27. Xavier Woods, I got to tell you, Sean, was someone that I was pleased when they got him at from Louisiana Tech, fifth round, 2017. Oh, yeah, same here. I actually saw him in, I think it was Jeff Driscoll, at um, the Armed Forces Bowl in Fort Worth. They took on Army. And I, you know, so he's someone that I kind of followed throughout the draft process. And I thought he was going to be something. And then, no. Yeah, there were a lot of Cowboys fans, myself included, and you too, that Mark, that got excited about Woods, you know, finding a potential that he just never really realized here in Dallas. And then on Wednesday, I threw this one in there, Justin Hamilton, the defensive tackle. It's funny to me because I've got a cousin-in-law named Justin Hamilton. Uh, on Thursday, Clint Longley, uh, the triumph of the of an uncluttered mind who led Dallas to a win over Washington in the 74 Thanksgiving by throwing to who else? Mr. Clutch, number 88, Drew Pearson. He turned 70 years old. Now, why did he play with Dallas from 74 to 75? Because in 76, he was a little bit just angsty and jealous because they drafted Danny White. He wasn't sure about his position as backup, and he thought he should be starting over Roger Staubach, so he punches Roger Staubach at training camp in Thousand Oaks, California. And if you do that, you know, you got to leave town, and you got to basically leave civilization, too. On Friday... (laughs) Dak Prescott, 29 years old. Yeah, we brought it up in the first segment. What are we expecting to hear from McCarthy and Jerry and Stephen Jones? And I certainly think Dak Prescott's overall health. And, you know, people are saying that this is the most dependent, just on paper, the Cowboys roster has been on the quarterback playing very well game in and game out for them to win in a long time. And that may prove to be the case. But, man, there's a, you know, if he's fully healthy and mobile and, gets these weapons going, like my pet cat, Jalen Tolbert, being able to take some pressure off CDLM. I don't know if there's a quarterback within four or five other quarterbacks in this league that you would take trying to ride to a win than Dak Prescott. So, you know, if that's the case, then, of course, getting to celebrate his birthday before camp is uh, pretty exciting, and we'll get to see what he has in store for us in Oxnard. On Sunday, Demarcus Ware, he's a, he'll, he'll be a grown man, Sean. He'll be 40 years old. Yeah, not from Oklahoma, but Auburn, Alabama. And, of course, he's been a subject. You know, it seems like every offseason there seems to be another story that finds a way to tie DeMarcus Ware to the Cowboys, whether it's conversation about him coming back as a coach or different things like that. So he certainly kept his name relevant to the Dallas fans to watch him do what he's he does best for so many years, and that's get after the quarterback. And, you know, I've talked about it before, being a Cowboys fan that grew up in Giants and Eagles territory. You know, I know so many Giants and Eagles fans that just hated DeMarcus Ware because he was always in their opponent's backfield and always bringing down, whether it was Eli Manning or what have you, in those big Giants-Eagles games. He was the guy uh, making a lot of big plays. So 
I got to enjoy that just like, you know, of course, so many Cowboys fans did throughout his career. And those are your Cowboys birthdays. Sean, uh, training camp is here. Uh, we, yeah, as I was saying, we did. You going to get this Pruko sandwich? We still have unfinished business from the off season with the pork roll sandwich. This weekend or something? So I was, I've got to go to the Lone Star State in the, in the middle of next month, about the 9th through the 12th. Uh, you want to try to hit up that place in Dallas? Yeah, we, uh, we, I'm still committed to trying to make this happen. So, you know, you, know, you can reach out any time. We'll try to get this going. I, uh, I met a girl from Boston uh, the other day here in Austin, and she, uh, I recommended a pizza place for her to try. Now, this is going to sound weird, but I'd never been to Boston. You know, you would think living in New Jersey, it's close enough. I, I, I would have at least spent a weekend there by now or something. I've never stepped foot in Boston, so I can't speak for what their pizza is like. I just know that New Jersey and New York is the gold standard, and almost anything else really doesn't even come close to comparing. But I do feel like Boston's the type of place that might have decent enough pizza where you'd be disappointed by anything else type of deal. So I did recommend a place that does New York-style pizza to her. And if she checks it out, I hope uh, it lives up to whatever the Boston standard for pizza is, which is probably not as high as New Jersey and New York, but I still feel without even being there that it might be uh, decently high. So we'll see if that lives up. Just like we'll see if this pork roll sandwich is authentic to uh, the New Jersey diners that I used to and Jesse Holloway's used to and all that. Yep, looking forward to it, just like... We're all looking forward to camp. Football is here, folks. So there it is. Woo! Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.